Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So we are starting our conversation off. You could call this moms. Um, moms of two nations. Definitely growing up in um, a different country um, can play a role on how we overall parent so I have two moms here I have Delana and also um, Rachel who will be sharing their story on how um, what that may look like for them so if Delana you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us where you're from hi so my name is Delana and I am from St. Lucia born raised um, I came up to the United States when I was 18 and went straight to college in New York. And it's been many years later now. Nice. Um, now we live in the Atlanta area. Nice. Okay, cool. How about you, Rachel? Oh, hi, everyone. Rachel, I am originally from Liberia. And mine is a little bit different because I came here when I was like five, I would say. And at 16, my mom thought I was so Americanized. So I found myself back in Liberia. <laughs> and there I stayed until I was in my late 20s before I relocated back um, here to the U.S. So I've only been here officially the second time around for about seven or eight years. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's interesting. What, what would I guess considered or what would be more Americanized? Uh, so for my mom being a typical African parent, um, she didn't want me to do anything. Like as I was growing again, she sent me back when I was 16. So you can imagine that I was a teenager. I wanted to do the things that other teenagers did. I wanted to go to Valentine's day dance at my school. I wanted to go, um, on cruises, I wanted to stay after school for various activities. I wanted to go riding my bike, playing basketball, hanging out with my friends after school. And my mom was not here for it. She yeah. wasn't here for anything. And then, you know, I, I started to get a little what she called fresh, you know, talking back, thinking I had rights because <laughs> some things that she would make me do. And I told my friends, they were like, what in the world? This is child abuse. Like, girl, you're being abused. You don't have to do this. So then I was like, yeah, I don't have to do this. My mom was like, well, you can find your way back, you know, because you have to do this. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just a little of me being a teenager and my mom feeling like she wasn't here for it. Yeah. Delana, were there any, like, any, I guess, chores or, like, 
I guess there will be culture or cultural things that, you know, you had to do that your parents, um, that your parents probably did that may have seemed, I don't even know how to say it. (laughs) I guess unorthodox to, I guess, the American culture. I don't know. I can't really think about it, but I probably, the thing is I came in, I came up at 18 so I wasn't at that age necessarily discussing like what I did or did not do at home with anybody else. Um, it's not like, you know, how younger kids would probably discuss, you know, my mom and dad made me do this, you know, but I was already 18. So that's just not a conversation you necessarily have um, like after that age. Um, but I'm definitely happy that I, um, that I have that upbringing to be able to instill in my own kids. Um, you know, like you have to clean up after yourself. Like there's no, like an entitlement treatment, you know, um, you do what you have to do to get what you want to do. And that was sort of the mantra my mom had, you know, you have to clean your room to do this. You have to help cook to do this you you know you have to be an active participant in the household in order to receive anything um and i think maybe culturally that's a, a big thing a big difference because i feel like up here in the u.s it's i don't know it's probably like part of the whole children's rights thing where you have to do for your kids you have to have to have to and there's no not much communication as to what kids have to do back for their parents or what their responsibilities are. Gotcha. Um, Were there any specific chores that you had to do? Nothing specific. It was basically everything. I'm taking care of younger siblings um, from the kitchen to the bathrooms, to the bedrooms. I mean, there was really nothing. um, There was nothing out of you know out of reach for that every and anything was my responsibility yeah and Rachel you said you can agree yes I definitely can because (laughs) I had a bunch of younger siblings um in total we were six and I was the older one as actually I was the one who was born like in Africa Mm -hmm. the rest of my siblings were my mom had them here so I had to do every single thing you know, like from helping when she was in the kitchen. If my mom was in the kitchen, I better be in that kitchen. You know, um, I had to get up in the morning, make sure that my siblings were prepared for school. If I had to help them with breakfast, like I had to help with their schoolwork, had to make sure when people brush their teeth and the toothpaste gets on the mirror, had to follow them after and make sure. I mean, I was doing everything. And then as I grew older, you know, you go to your friends' houses and stuff like that. My mom was like, in an African way, y'all, y'all enough in this house to play with each other. You don't need to go to nobody <laughs> and nobody needs to come here either. <laughs> like we were so sheltered that um, leaving that environment and having to be on my own, it was really, really hard because I didn't even know life. I didn't know anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. That I technically left my parents. I went straight to being married. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that idea of beard and having, mm-hmm, and never having like 
had lived by myself or, you know, next. Wow. Never really by myself ever. Yeah. 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 I... I guess I'm Americanized, I will say then, because <laughs> I came to this country when I was seven, um, born in Trinidad and Tobago. So when people ask, like, what, like, is there any, like, cultural differences or just, like, you know, things like that? I'm like, no, not really, but we do things, like, a lot different. But I don't think my mom really, like, did that. But when it was time for, like, my siblings and things, it was, like, all me. I had to watch them regardless. <laughs> and they either had to go with me or, you know, they were my responsibility. But um, what are some phrases from your culture that you use with your kids now? Or is there anything specific? Um, well, for me, because I had my I had my daughter in Liberia when my mom sent me back. So she was born and partly raised in Liberia. Mm-hmm. And when I came here, we both relocated together. So um, it was different because me being like African and having a different upbringing and knowing how things are done there, her coming here, um, let's say the first six months to a year, she was still in the African mentality, being humble, not talking back, um, you know, doing her chores. Like she was, she was nice, humble. And then within like eight months to a year, she was like, girl, I am for that. Like she became what my mom thought I was, which was very Americanized. Mm -hmm. Now she felt like she had rights, you know, like anything I say, my daughter had a a comeback and I'm looking at her like, girl, if you know, so we both speak the Liberian English. So I'll tell her about herself in a heartbeat. As a matter of fact, I'll be reminding her every day. I'll be like, girl, you just got here. Like, (laughs) you're not American. (laughs) You know, and she'd be like, well, I remember once a couple of years ago, because I had my daughter at 17, literally the year after my mom sent me back. So we kind of grew up together. Right now, I just turned 38 and she's turning 21. Mm. So um, I guess in a way she feels like I'm young which I also feel like I am too, you know, um, <laughs> but I remember when she would want to go out partying or whatever. And I'm like, Oh no, it's too late to go out. She like, well, um, all my friends are going out at this time. Like, you don't want me to live my life. You don't want me to do this. Or you don't want me. And I'm just like, where is this? Com- where is this coming from? Because where we come from, kids do it as they're told. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't tell me about you living your life or you doing this or you doing that. And it's the same even with me and my mom and my siblings. Like there have been times in the past where we're having a conversation and my mom is saying something and getting on one of my siblings nerves. They'd be like, mommy, shut up. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, no. I I never. (laughs) No. My my lips know how to form the words (laughs) to tell my mom to shut up. But that's something that. I guess she must be really Americanized too because she don't see it to be anything, you know, now. But back in the day, you know, it would have been like, you going to catch these hands with a quickness. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Delana, is there anything, like, as far as, like, any phrases or, you know, just how, I guess, how your culture may play a part? Um, Well, with my kids, they're still pretty young. I have a seven, seven, five, and four-year-old. So 
I'm not there yet, like what Rachel is talking about. So I'm not quite there yet with the attitudes and what's Americanized or what's not. But um, definitely. So we speak like French Creole in St. Lucia. So sometimes I would tell them like, child, sit down, you know, um, or be quiet, you know, in, in that language. Um, you know, but basically... I think a big thing with like West Union and African um, countries is kind of putting kids in their place. I think that's like a big cultural thing to put kids in their place and they stay where they belong. Um, And like some might say that that's not a good thing. Some might say it is. I think you just have to find a medium. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in terms of my kids and their ages, you will, you know, I could not be running around inside of a house I could not be touching everything I see or you know children have to be seen heard um children don't sit around grown people listen to grown people talk and laughing with grown people stuff like that um so I think my kids are at that age where I'm doing those things with them like running belongs outside shoes belongs outside shoes they're at the door there's no screaming in the house and just like other things like I grew up, you know, houses so close to each other and everything. Like, you cannot make all this noise. You might be waking up the neighbors and kind of, like, showing them that we're not, like, alone in this neighborhood. We have to listen out for our neighbors. We have to live where we're not distracting our neighbors and kind of be mindful of our community at all times, you know? Um, So teaching them about noise control how to behave in a house, how to behave around adults, not acting up when you're around somebody else. Because I think another cultural thing is like when, I don't know, parents here seem to not think that they can discipline their kids around people or kids kind of shaming you when you go out somewhere with them. But no, as a Western you know, African parent, I feel like it's like, or I'll even go as far as say maybe even Hispanics, like you just don't, you mind your place at all times as a child. Mm -hmm. And that's like the big thing. Yeah, I agree. Everything that you said, because literally my grandma raised me. So that's, I mean, you would think that it would be, I guess, a common thing in all cultures, I guess. Um, But yeah, probably not so much. Are there any like special foods or um, dishes that you cook that your kids love that you've taken from like your childhood or your parents? Oh yeah, we eat Liberian food like regularly. We barely eat anything else actually. My daughter actually, and my daughter prefers that to everything else. Like she would eat every, like any other thing here, but she prefers African food. Mm Mm-hmm. And so do I. <laughs> yeah, so do I. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. And yeah, like she was saying, I remember when we were, were much younger and we would go to the store, you know, there were so many kids and everybody running around trying to do whatever, this and that, two on two separate occasions. Once my little sister, there was chewing gum, someone took it out of their mouth and like put it on something. And my sister came and took that gum and put it on my whole girl. What oh, people had to be looking down the aisle because my mom squeezed her mouth. I mean, she squeezed her mouth to get that gum out. And then, like, if any of my siblings would ever throw a tantrum in the store, my mom would beat their butt right there. And yeah. people would be looking like, oh, 
And I feel like that's something um, that um, people don't do enough of now. And that's something that because I got spanked so much as a child, I decided that that's something that I don't want to do to my child because I feel like it was traumatizing for me because my mom would beat my butt for every and any and everything. She'd be quick to tell me how how I should. First of all, she used to tell me this and I find myself telling my daughter this all the time. Like, you should know better. Like, you know, in Liberia, this is not done. This is not how people do things there. You just got here. Like, you're not American. Like, you don't have to do things the way they do things here. Um, because I feel like here is so much protection for the child. Um, I remember once, uh, let's say about three years or so ago, my daughter and ha- I had a situation and I temporarily deactivated her phone. She caught herself on Facebook texting her father's um, sister, uh, uh, okay, her aunt, talking about, I'm so tired of this woman's nonsense. This woman is me, by the way. And how I I can't make it, like, I can't stay with her anymore. And then the aunt telling her, oh, you have to call the police. You call the police on me because I deactivate your phone? Yeah. I'm like, what kind of American thing is this? Yeah. Where I come from, like, yeah, I work for child. I work for child protective services, and I see a lot of um, disciplinary differences mm-hmm. between outside of the U.S. cultures and U.S. culture. There's a big, stark difference. Yeah, yeah. They told my girl to call the cops because I deactivated her phone. Yeah, that's wild. And then the aunt was posting on Facebook like. Oh, and she blocked me, of course, but my sister saw it. It was just so much drama. And I'm just like, I brought my daughter to this country. Like, I took her from Liberia and I brought her here. Obviously, like, I'm looking out for, for her best interest. But at a point in time, the aunt was like, oh, she feels like my daughter is being emotionally abused. And, like, it was it was literally a lot. And we had to call a whole family meeting because I needed the aunt to tell me what it is that she meant by you know, emotional abuse. Now, the issue here is that the aunt herself had been here since she was like 10 years old. And at that point, she was like 40. So she was basically Americanized. So yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just been a lot. Yeah, I think discipline in our home is also big too. Like my husband, he's working 100 and he would do a lot of grounding and taking this away and taking that away. Um, for me, more so like you need to be doing some chores as your discipline. <laughs> you need to, I, you know, I might pop them here, you know, occasionally. I try not to do that one, but you know, culturally, you know, if you if I have to say something more than two three times, you are gonna feel it. <laughs> and I think that's another phrase that we say a lot too. If I say it again, you gonna feel it, <laughs> you know. Um, so I so discipline wise, my husband and I. And husband and I parent differently or discipline differently, but I think we strike a good balance so the kids kind of know either way they're going to catch hell, right. <laughs> you know? Um, but the discipline is just going to look differently based on who get mad first mm-hmm. at them. Um, but yeah, like there's just this big difference with kids. I think they're just not disciplined or ill-disciplined in the U.S., bottom line um and discipline could look differently for different families i'm not even going to talk about what kind of discipline but like but there's a big difference with kids just being ill-disciplined here yeah 
And one thing my mom always says is that um, that us uh, who were not born here but brought here, we copy the American system and we double and triple copy. She always says that y'all try to double copy and triple copy and do even more than what the 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 Americans do. Because my mom is like, sometimes some of the issues that I've had with my daughter, which has been multiple issues over time, she's like, kids here don't do this. All of my children have never did this to me. Like your daughter is a, is a rare breed. I don't understand. Like she's Liberian. Why is she acting like she's so American? You know, but I think that, um, I don't know. I think that there are definitely a lot of differences. And um, when kids get, um, immersed, you know, into that and into that lifestyle, they start hearing things from their friends or they watch TV a lot and see, you know, how things are. They start to feel like, oh, so I've been abused my whole life. I couldn't, I couldn't speak my mind, which is something, even speaking your mind is something that I always encourage my, my daughter to do, because I believe that you should be like, you do have a right to say how yeah but but there you have to mind saying what you want to say respectfully yes. yes respectfully i don't want you to feel like we feel in like liberia that you can't you can't be uncomfortable you are allowed to let me know that you're uncomfortable you're allowed to let me know that this thing i did you know it hurt your feelings or it made you feel bad or you you're allowed to respectfully say that and not feel like in most african countries kids are not given that they're not given that I don't know they're not given that ability or they're not given that that authority where they can say oh mommy you hurt my feelings when you said this or you know what I was embarrassed in front of my friends when you did this you know or whatever it is they don't or we don't have that or we didn't have that so as a result like there are there's a lot of pent-up anger there's a lot of resentment and then uh, a lot of times I feel like growing up, it makes, it puts kids in that, I don't know, it's not necessarily inferiority complex, but they have a complex where, where they can't freely express themselves because all their lives they have not been allowed to freely express, you know, that's just my two cents. Yeah, but um, back to the food, though, I think one thing my kids really like, we call them bakes in St. Lucia. Um, I think Trinidad, Jamaica, I think for the most part, a lot of places call them bakes, too. Um, I think the Virgin Islands might say Johnny Cake or something, but um, it's basically just flour, water, yeast, or baking powder, and just fluff up, fry up in some oil, so just like a nice big bread like thing with air in the middle when you bite into it those are so like a fritter those are my favorite (laughs) i don't we don't call them fritters though they we call bakes i think fritters are a bit more crisp Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. flat yeah but the bakes are like fluffy on the inside it's like mm. it's so good (laughs) but we eat it we eat it with like salt fish yes right or you might get adventurous and do some stew pork or different things with it it's just like your nice bread side you can eat it with cheese on inside or whatever but so my kids love that and like usually every weekend I make some with like saltfish and stuff the kids I can't really get them to eat 
I don't know, maybe it's because of their ages, but they wouldn't eat like ripe plantains and they wouldn't eat ground provisions and none of that for me right now. Yeah, those are yeah. Crazy. I think because of their wow. age, maybe I don't know. Yeah, as yeah. they get older, I'll see because you know, kids that age are picky so called eaters anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so but they will eat the bakes and I love it anyway. Yeah, yeah, so what what is like one of your favorite dishes, Rachel? It's, it's um, rice and cassava leaf. Mm. That's good. I love it. Yeah. I love fufu too. I love fufu um, and literally any any soup that it comes with. Palava sauce, potato greens, like literally yeah. anything. Uh, but a staple in our household is rice. Um, we, we've tried to like, you know, change it up a little bit and sometimes do like couscous or quinoa, mm-hmm. you know. Or whatever, but it's <laughs> nothing. Nothing beats rice. Yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I love fried plantains. Oh my! God. Oh yes, that's mm-hmm. my weakness in life. Oh. Fried plantains. <laughs> you yeah. want me to commit a crime with you? Give me some <laughs> fried rice plantains, yeah, and we good. <laughs> yeah. Yes, those are good. Um, is there anything else that you've taken, like from you know what you enjoyed growing up, and have shared with your kids that they may now enjoy themselves i think honestly the things that i really enjoyed growing up my kids don't have access to it right now Mm -hmm. um so i am looking forward to a time where i can bring them home annually um because the things that i enjoy are not tangible things that i can tell them hey try this Mm -hmm. except the food you know what i mean but you know what i mean but the actual experiences of just like i don't know like after school walking down the hill with friends and like yeah dropping different friends off at their homes along the way or you know, going to the beach on the weekends with friends, with cousins, with family, everybody bringing food who's sitting at the back of the van, at the back of the trucks. And all of a sudden you have a beach party. I mean, it is those intangible moments, you know, it's, it's, it's the pride of wearing the school uniform and everybody know what school you go to based on the uniform you wear in. And it's like a big, um, social identity thing based on what uniform you wear in and you know what school you battling with in a yeah. friendly battle and <laughs> I mean th- those kinds of things I, these, I mean I wouldn't have had it any other way but yeah. at this I'm not so it's crazy how like we leave I don't know the Caribbean or the Africa or wherever we leave for a so-called better life in the U.S. for our kids and such, right? Mm -hmm. But these are very much like the monetary goals, the educational goals, and those kinds of things. But we leave back so many things that we can never replace here. I agree. There's so many things here that we cannot replace. And I I would love to like have them go home, live for two years there, a hundred percent live, like go to school, learn everything for like two years. Like I would love that for them. But these are the things that I want that I would love to share with them, but I'm just not in the position to. But what I do in the meantime is as much exposure as possible. So I'll get them 
things with the St. Lucian flag on it. They're very much immersed in what the flag looks like, what the flag means, or hearing the national anthem. I'd put on the radio station so they can hear announcers talk and hear the language and you know what I mean? Just kind of have that, just kind of be immersed in that culture without actually being there. And so nothing is like a new, you know, so it's not like a far-fetched place or far-fetched idea for them. Yeah. That's one thing that I, I tried to with my kids is to take them home Um at least annually so that they can get that experience. And honestly, too, while they're living the experience, I'm living it with them because I came here at seven. So it's like I'm still learning and enjoying it all at the same time. But yeah, I miss it. I definitely want them to be more involved with that. And I just miss that whole sense of community. Yeah. And unfortunately for my daughter, she also feels the same. And there have been times where she's like, why don't we move to like Minnesota or something? Because there are more librarians there. Oh, no. And it's just that sense of community, knowing that people got your back, mm-hmm. you know, that if my daughter was doing something that she wasn't supposed to do, my neighbors would take care of it before it even got to me. You'll you know find I mean? out before she even know you know. <laughs> but yeah, you don't get that here. Like it was so much a part of me speaking to everyone like you could never like just walk by and not say hi or hello hello like in Liberia say y'all hello y'all hello hello and when I got here hi hi everybody like (laughs) hi to me you know I'm I miss that Mm -hmm. you know well I must say in in the Georgia area people do do that here say hi that hospitality so that's that southern, yeah. the southern yeah. hospitality mm-hmm. up here you can Don't smile well I, i'll say in the dmv area you can smile and try to say hi to someone and they'll look at you like you're speaking a whole other language <laughs> okay right <That's> so <laughs> right like my bad <laughs> didn't mean to mean didn't mean to be friendly <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah i just miss the just that being able to just see people and chit chat and chill like with your neighbors without having to call and say hey I'm coming over or hey are you home can I come over yeah. you know or something but yeah like my mom always says that here if you don't tell someone that you're coming over to their house and you arrive all, all of a sudden and they're cooking their food they're gonna eat and not invite you to the table because you weren't a part of their, <laughs> of their agenda my mom says that a lot it's true it can happen (laughs) for five people they didn't invite you and they weren't expecting you either yes so um yeah i just miss everything she said even with the school Mm -hmm. and with friends and just being i don't know just being you with me um it's just been so hard for me because i feel like coming here at a younger age being like starting kindergarten and first grade kids were really mean at that time by the way um and i've got called african booty scratcher and everything you know um but then finally i fit in you know finally i was american enough to be you know and then my mom sent me to liberia and there everyone was like oh you're not liberian enough to be liberian like you're american 
you yeah. know, and then I can't fit nowhere. Girl, that's right. that's where I am right now. Like not fully being American and not fully being Liberian, just being in the middle, being just being out of both worlds. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's been a struggle for me. And that's but a whole other conversation a too, because that yeah. one could that one can get deep. <laughs> as yeah. far as like why, <laughs> why do we even have to like have those separate barriers? Like why? Like why can't I just be what I am and enjoy this and enjoy that at the same time? You know? So like I'm super careful when I'm with Liberians because, you know, we speak Liberian English. Mm-hmm. So if I'm with Liberians, I have to remember that I speak Liberian English, but I forget because I'm in America yeah. and they'll be looking at you like, let me speak my Liberian English for a minute. Ah, they won't buy. Hold this. She just speaking series in her friend and ears. You know how to speak Liberian English or colloqua, you know, so I have to remember, I have to remind myself when I'm with Liberians to speak. And then like when I'm with Americans and I get upset, I start sounding real Liberian. They're like, oh my gosh, girl, what's happening? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I honestly feel like we who um, were not necessarily born here, but we were brought here. I think we have the, we've been able to experience the best of both worlds yeah. because, you know, yeah, we have that. Absolutely. Some things that some of our kids don't have. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like music, I know music is, is completely different, right? Um, is there anything that I guess... Girls, soca music all day. Oh. You don't even have to finish that sentence. Soca music all day. <laughs> I love I'm not soca. even from the Caribbean and I second that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Is there any... Is there any like what and I know I'm more familiar with um Ghanaian, but I'm not so much with Liberian. Is it the same music that they like kind of listen to? It is. Um in Liberia we we do listen to like um the the regular Afro music mm-hmm. because our Liberian songs are a little bit different. They they sing in what we call the colloquial or we call it colloqua. Mm-hmm. That's the Liberian English, you know. Um so the Liberian songs are a little bit different. But that's pretty much it. Like we listen to every single Nigerian or Ghanaian or um, Ivorian or whatever African um, artist is out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And I love, 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 absolutely love. Even my daughter, like she, she loves like African music. I did hear her though, or I noticed when she got here, being in high school and the kids knowing all the you know songs hip-hop and rap and stuff this poor child used to struggle take her little pen and paper girl Aww. write her songs down because she want to know these songs because she <laughs> knows she wants to fit in yeah. you yeah. know with um what's here but other than that like i love african music but when my mom first sent me back to liberia i hated african i was like oh my god like what is this i thought i was american girl <laughs> i was doing too much Delana, does your kids like soca? They do. Yeah, mine too. They do. They love it. I mean, basically, thank goodness for like all these um, smart devices and stuff. So basically, I just ask it to play the the St. Lucian radio station and they listen to whatever is on or... I just go down um, Pandora and get some Marshall Montana. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but they know it. They sing it. They dance it. I mean, 
that's part of me trying to immerse them as much as possible absolutely but they also of course know the regular songs because my husband is American and he listens to not necessarily current hip-hop and stuff but like the 90s rap and you know 90s hip-hops and and those kinds of things so right and that's when good music had stopped anyway right (laughs) right (laughs) um so they they get both both I mean best of both worlds really that's really good though at least they know and it's not like a culture shock if anything was to Mm -hmm. ever happen you know yeah that's nice so I know we kind of touched on like you know our school uniforms and what those kind of look like but um I know in Trinidad and Tobago like they have second form first form and I'm not really like familiar with all of it but um were there any because you know how I guess comparable to like high school middle school elementary school how was the school systems for you either in Liberia or in St. Lucia? So in St. Lucia, when I was growing up, it was infant school, primary school, secondary school. And then after secondary school, you did um, like A-levels, like a community college kind of thing for two years. Okay. But about 10 years ago, is it 10? It's probably not even that much, maybe not even quite 10, but I'd say 10 to be safe. They switched over to the grade system like the U.S. So that that's recent but in me growing up I had um stage one stage two stage three standard one standard two standard three standard four and standard four you did common entrance that made you go to like a ranking of different schools based on what grade what how good you did on the test yeah and then you know and then you did five years in that school but they changed the grade system. They changed it to grade system. So what used to be stage one is now kindergarten, mm. and then so on and so forth. Nice. So, so I guess if you were talking to a younger Saint Lucian right now, they'd tell you the system is the same. But for me and everybody older than me, we did the the whole a different system altogether. And of course, uniforms from zero years old all the way <laughs> until up. eighteen years old. <laughs> yeah. You hear me? 18 years old, you're still out there rocking your uniform, making <laughs> sure it's by your knee a certain length and shoes a certain color and all kind. I I wish they would keep uniforms. I'm all for uniforms, to be honest. <laughs> Rachel, you said Liberia is the same as the U.S.? It is. Um, they pretty much do everything. Like here, the only difference is that um, ninth grade um, Ninth grade is wait wait a minute. Ninth grade here is high school. High school is tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference. But yeah, we wear uniforms too. The same thing. Everybody knows which school you're in by your uniform. You know. But here's the thing: when my mom, the year I was sent back to Liberia was the year that they had instituted uniforms here. Um, in the school I went to, Kettering Elementary in Largo area, the DMV. Um, and they were like, well, if you would like for your for your children or your kids to wear uniforms, they can. That's when it just started. And at that time, half of my classmates were wearing uniforms, those who 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 wanted to. You know, so when I went to Liberia, it was all uniforms and it was completely different there because you had a special store or you had a a, a particular store or a tailor or seamstress who yeah. sold the uniform yeah. for your school. <laughs> 
It had to be, the pleats had to be a certain way. It had to be a certain length. And here people wearing booty skirts. And you're like, oh, what? Is this a uniform? Okay. Right. <laughs> you know? But over there, like even your socks, you had to wear, like before you could enter the fence, everybody stands on the line. You do the whole um, Pledge of Allegiance. You do the whatever and national anthem and they watch you all go in and make sure that you're properly uniformed before you can even enter. Yep. You know, but here, like kids just be wilding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And we also had to like we also had to have a ribbon in our hair too. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had I to remember have our hair braided. Yes. <laughs> and no extra no accessories no either. Nothing. Nothing to distract you from school. Nope. Girl. <laughs> no colored bows, no colored nothing. nothing. Yep. Just your one little bubbler yes. and the ribbon, or your two little bubblers and your yes. ribbon. <laughs> Absolutely. So um now that you know we've we've grown up in a different culture, now we are in America um, in America. Um, what would you say would be your greatest joy of raising your children in two-culture dynamic? Um, for me, I feel like it's the opportunities that America affords to the kids. Um, my nephew just turned three years old yesterday, a few days ago. I recorded him telling me how, he was telling me how to eat my 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 wings. He said, what? You're chewing the bones? I said, yes. He said, you're not supposed to chew the bones. You're just supposed to eat the parts. <laughs> oh what now okay (laughs) but I mean kids are so exposed Mm -hmm. to so much at such an early age um it makes it harder for people to take advantage of them it makes them I don't know what to say not necessarily smarter but it just exposes them to more it's it's like wiser not really smart but like wise it's way wiser like some things that at 16, when I went back to Liberia, the 16-year-olds would never even think about, like, their minds would never even go to anything like that. It was it was above them. Yeah. But here, kids are exposed to it from a very, very early age. And I love that, you know. I mean, wait. Certain uh, things. Certain things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certain things. Yeah. Let me not say I love it completely. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But then at the same time, growing up back home and just that sense of community, just that support system yeah you know just knowing that they're like everybody's looking out for everyone else you know and uh, kids being kids allowing kids to grow up and and actually be kids Mm -hmm. and not being so grown and talk about grown folks stuff like you know stay in the kids like stay in a child's place and you're gonna stay in that child's place you know I yeah I like that about there and I like you know that about here you know In terms of of my kids being in the U.S., I am grateful that they have the opportunity, all the technical exposure that they're afforded here that I don't think that they would have necessarily obtained in the Caribbean. Um, However, I must say, that my experience being in the South with them, as opposed to being in the North with them, probably creates a a difference too. I think if I was in New York with them, 
or that's where I, I was, you know, in college and all that. So if I think if I was more like in a, a metro metro city, I would probably miss the opportunity for them to like really be kids and not having space much to run outside and living in an apartment and different things like that. But in the South, I think I'm able to bridge a gap. So yes, kids in the kids in St. Lucia get to run outside, play outside, be kids and everything. But I think the fact that I live in the South, I'm able to afford my kids that. Mm -hmm. I think there's more of a sense of community here in the South than it is in the North or some other metro cities in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm bridging a little bit of a gap there too mm -hmm. without actually being in St. Lucia. So I think um, in terms of having my kids, I would not have it any other way in that I think raising them in Georgia is is the best thing for them in terms of getting those things children need the outdoor the community um being in the U my upbringing and hopefully my having them travel to St. Lucia back and forth you know over the next coming years will allow them to see that people live differently, um, that you have to appreciate what you have because we do bedtime prayers, right? So I'm like, so usually the question is like, what are you thankful for? And if they're finding a hard time telling me what you're thankful for for the day before going to sleep, then I'm not doing my job. Some kids don't have nothing to eat. Some kids didn't go to school. Some kids don't, you know. So I I think when, as a parent, if we're from a different place culturally, we need to help our kids see that other people don't have it like they do. Yeah, They need to see those shack yeah. buildings that people live in yeah. back home. Yeah, They need to see that kids are still going to carry water and bringing it to the house for the family to, to drink. They need to know that, you know, the, I need a snack. I want a snack. I want a snack all day long. I'm happy I can afford you the opportunity yes. where I can give you a snack. But if I say no at any given point, you're going to have to be okay with that because some kids have one meal a day. Yeah. Some kids only have their hard food three times a day. They don't have nothing in between. No snack. What is a snack? Right. You hear me? <laughs> so I, I'm so culturally, I want them to know that people live differently and people have less than and they must always be great for what they. Yeah, most definitely. I agree. Rachel, you want to add anything or you're good? No, I'm good. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> well, I do want to thank you all. This was a good conversation. I feel like we could definitely go longer because of how, you know, comparing to back home to here and, you know, the things that we've learned personally and just scoop up and pass on to our kids. Um, but thank you so much for joining me on this conversation and sharing your journey and your story um, about what it's like living in two different cultures and parenting in two different cultures, honestly. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.